Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Okay, everyone, thank you for joining us today. My very special guest is Reverend Stephanie Radfeller. We will be talking about her new book, The Evolutionary Empath, A Practical Guide for Heart-Centered Consciousness. As an empath herself, Stephanie Redfeather has experienced firsthand the challenges of being extremely sensitive to the subtle energies and the emotions of others. She knows that it can be overwhelming and cause you to lose yourself and doubt who you are. With this guide, for anyone who's ever felt out of place because of their sensitivity, Stephanie offers advice on how to manage life's difficulties as an empath, as well as insight into how these qualities are vitally important to the future of humanity. For more information, you can visit Stephanie's website, which is www.bluestartemple.org. And with that, I'd like to welcome Stephanie to the Sunday Day. Stephanie? Hello. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to talking about this subject today. As a matter of fact, um, two days ago, and two days ago, the show I had, um, we were talking about empaths. And I thought, oh, boy, this must be a topic that needs to be um, brought to the forefront. So mm-hmm. um, I can start with um, uh, empaths. What is an empath? So for the listeners who may not know, what is your description view of and yes well and uh what i discovered is that it's um it's not as simple as a one sentence answer <laughs> uh when i sat down to write this book uh, my spirit guides gave me only one directive and that was create a definition And so in the book, I actually spend two chapters breaking it down, talking about different aspects of the definition, you know, giving examples from interviews of other people. Um, So what I would say is the the everyday working shorthand definition is an empath is a highly sensitive person, but it's so much more than that. And so one of the aspects of the definition that I think is kind of the meatiest and uh, gives the most information that's satisfying, if you will, that people can really identify with is what I call the five distinct qualities of an empath. And so I can share those if that's all right with you. Yes, I would. Yes, please. Okay. So these qualities kind of distill themselves out of all the work I've been doing for years with clients and students. So the first quality of an empath is, our ability to merge with and absorb the energy of other beings. And that's, you know, not just people, that's animals or anything with life force. And this stems from our very open personal energy field. So when we don't know that we're like this, this quality can cause us to unconsciously take on other people's emotions and problems. And it's also the reason that we can struggle with boundaries. The second quality is that we have a highly sensitive nervous system. And you might be thinking, well, you know, nervous systems are sensitive by default. But for empaths, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you know, our volume got turned up to 20 instead of 10. And so uh, we process so much 
stimulation and so much input and data that it can really make us prone to overwhelm and overstimulation. And so extra vigilant self-care is really important for empaths. The third quality is that we have a great sensitivity to the energies around us as well as an, uh, excuse me, an ability to perceive or access subtle information stored in the energy field of all types of life forms. So I believe everything is sentient. Everything has some kind of consciousness. Everything is communicating. And so this quality is what makes it easy for us to see apparitions, for example, angels or the dead have paranormal experiences, um, people who just have wicked intuition, those who are mediums or channels, animal communicators, all of those sorts of things fall in this category. The fourth quality is the premium that we place on peace and harmony, and that is in relationships, in our environment, and in our own energy field. And so again, if we don't know that this is a quality for us, we can tend to be doormats, uh, very codependent. We won't stand up for ourselves because we will do anything and everything we can to keep our environment and relationships stress-free and calm. The fifth quality is that we have big open hearts and a desire to serve others. And so this tends to make us inclined towards careers focused on service, you know, like a, a big part of my tribe or energy healers and massage therapists, nurses, hospice workers, therapists, you know, those types. But, you know, I was in the Air Force for 10 years. So clearly there are empaths that are bankers and engineers and computer programmers and, you know, those sorts of things mm -hmm. as well. Um, and it, this quality, if we're not careful, can cause us to overgive and put ourselves last on the list. So one thing I want to say about these five qualities is they all fall on a spectrum. And so it kind of doesn't matter, you know, if some of these qualities peg high for a person or they don't really identify, you know, there's, there's nothing that excludes a person. Like there's no minimum threshold that says, oh, you're not an empath, you know. So I, I just can't <laughs> make the definition that strict. You know, I trust people to tune into their own intuition as to how much this concept uh, resonates for them. Yeah, okay. I can understand that. And I'm, I'm sure there's, um, you know, within those five qualities to the, you know, people have, you know, varying degrees of, um, of sensitivity. And, and now mm -hmm. you said that um, if one is not aware, you know, so it seems mm -hmm. that awareness of being an empath or having um, that tendency, um, it seems that awareness is, is a really big issue. So for listeners there, um, would, you know, um, for them to try and, I guess, uh, evaluate or determine, you know, kind of where they are on that spectrum, whether they're kind of high on that spectrum or not, would um, would they just kind of look at the Hello, Stephanie? There you are. <laughs> we lost the connection yes. there for a minute. <laughs> uh, technology is just not my friend today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I, I'm sorry. So I, I'm sure I probably missed the answer about um, one 
know, their, their uh, empath um, level of awareness. Um, yeah, and if the connection's cutting out again, but I, I think I'm catching uh, what your question is. Um, you know, just because the way things work right now in human development and, you know, in our spiritual evolution, we are unconscious of a thing until we are conscious of a thing. And so mm. most people who are empaths are not born knowing that. They, because at this point in our evolution, most of us don't have parents, teachers, extended families, social groups that recognize our sensitivities, understand what they are, and know how to guide us. And so that means we end up living from the unhealthy aspects of these qualities until we awaken to the fact that we are an empath. And so these unhealthy qualities can be things like codependence, taking on Mm -hmm. everybody else's emotions and problems because we think they are our own. You know, we, we feel everything from everyone else so acutely we can't differentiate between what's ours and what isn't. We have no idea where we end and the next person begins. And so a lot of times we don't know ourselves. It's difficult to stay in our center or uh, be grounded in our own sense of self. Um, we get lost in relationships. We get overwhelmed easily. Uh, we tend to um, put other people's, you know, people's priorities and needs before our own, and so we get depleted. So those are just some of the things that can happen to us that can be our life experiences when we don't understand that we're highly sensitive. Yeah. Now, I kind of wanted to dive in a little bit on, on the qualities. Um, the, the first one that you mentioned was, was merge with and absorb energy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of times you talked about um, the difficulties that um, an empath may have with boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the idea of merging and absorbing. So how does one merge and absorb yet also have a boundary? <laughs> Yes, it's it's kind of the concept of a semi-permeable membrane. So uh, to yeah. to you know, so if we have no idea that we merge with and absorb other people's energies, then there's no chance of of having a boundary. It that happens because we don't have an awareness of our edge. We don't have an awareness of ourselves as separate and distinct from another person's energy. So really one has to become aware first off that that's even happening, you know, that, that, you know, that you are an energy being. And once you have that awareness, then you can start to look at, wow, I'm, I'm feel all of these things, but surely they are not all my own. And then we can begin this process of starting to um, step out of codependence recognize what is ours and what's not, invite energy out of our field and start to envision our own sovereign space as a very sacred bubble, if you will, or cocoon where we are responsible for keeping it clear. So energetic hygiene Mm -hmm. practices, if you will, 
but also mm-hmm. making decisions about who we let in to our space as well as containing our own energy because it's easy for us to leave our throne, if you will. It's easy for us to abdicate our own throne and our own kingdom and go drop anchor in another person and live from their point of view. Yeah. Yes, and I, I've known quite a few people who are empathic and um, I've seen firsthand the um, the difficulty that it can create when someone isn't aware of it, you know, and and um, even not not even being able to distinguish that what they're feeling is not their own. That that mm-hmm. the idea for some of these folks is that if I'm feeling it, it's me. I mean, it's you mm-hmm. know, it's my feeling. You know, I'm feeling it. So. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, just uh, the first idea, I guess, becoming aware that one has that that gift, um, that predisposition or uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, then once that happens, then it's a matter of then learning to distinguish. So let's say that I've I got to the point now that I know that I'm, I'm the kind of person who's, you know, Empathic. I, you know, I kind of I recognize that. You know, I can walk into the room and I can just feel, you know, the the mm-hmm. room and the people and the energies of what's going on. Um, how how would I then, once I recognize it, how would I then um, just start to distinguish? I mean, um, you know, dis, um, yeah, distinguish or um, discern. You know, what mm-hmm. what feelings are my own? Um, what mm-hmm. a, a really easy way is just what you said you you go to a party or you step into a room where there's people or you go to the store and if you if you were aware of your state of being before that and then your state of being afterwards quite often our, our emotions will change. You know, like I've heard so many people say, you know, I was just fine. I really wasn't angry. Nothing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I went to such and such store and I'm pissed off and I'm angry <laughs> and I'm emotional. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that, when you, when that sort of thing comes out of the blue, that is often mm-hmm. a clue that it is not yours and it just came from somebody else. So that's a, a really good way to distinguish. Um, when it starts getting more subtle, you know, because we're so intuitive, if we're in tune with our intuition, we can ask ourselves, is this mine? And see if we get any kind of intuitive hit. Or, you know, we, some people know how to use their body as a pendulum or do muscle testing or, or some sort of divinatory tool if they want to use that to aid them. But you can just mm-hmm. simply say, is this mine? And develop that communication system with your own body because there, there is an intrinsic part of us that knows the answer to that question. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I kind of read, Henry talked about, you know, feeling fine one minute and then all of a sudden you're being in a different location and then suddenly for some mm-hmm. unknown reason, it's just like, you know, and, and I'm – very much, you know, as far as uh, the before and the quality, you know, um, premium on peace and harmony, that's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, peace and harmony. Um, 
but and, you know, when it's not that way, it, it's um, to me, it's just like just like an irritant. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. So now, um, once we kind of identify that you know that we are empathic, we can differentiate a bit better, you know, between our um, feelings, our energies, and, and others. Um, you mentioned something about you know being careful, I guess, on on uh, who and, and what kind of energy we you know let in. Um, even though it may be semi permeable barrier, you know sometimes mm-hmm. you know something can get in, <laughs> you know that that you don't want. So how um, would it be just our reaction, our um, unease? you know, in reacting to someone that would maybe be a clue as to an energy that might not be good for us? Mm -hmm. Yes. And just like we talked about, you know, being at home or being by yourself and then going to a place where there's a lot of people and all of a sudden now you're feeling an emotion that as soon as you recognize it, now you have the ability to clear that out of your field. You know, so you can just invite it out. Okay. You can say, I return to sender with love. You can breathe it out through your body. There's, you know, multiple different techniques for, for clearing energy. And I talk about those in the book. Um, and so, you know, it is, a, it is a muscle that we have to learn to build. It is a practice for sure, because over time we will get more adept at noticing when something has entered our field that doesn't feel good or isn't serving us. And we will get more adept at clearing it as well. Okay. Uh, now, one of the third quality that you indicated was of the great sensitivity and ability to access life force information. So now we're to the point where we can recognize um, other life force, um, and how, um, what types of, uh, like, life force info, how would I recognize, um, not kind of recognize the the energy, how does, um, how does it turn into Within, like with that's me. If if I find that, how does that turn from recognizing the the, the energy to um, accessing information or or recognizing information about that particular force? Mm-hmm. So this um, there's a couple ways to approach this. For some people, they have natural abilities to tune into particular frequencies, you know, like people who just naturally can see and communicate with the dead or people who can Mm -hmm. naturally communicate with animals or rocks or plants, you know, so, so there's the recognition of a, a naturally existing ability. So for some people, they were that way from birth. And at some point in childhood, probably had some kind of experience that made them realize, oh, I thought everybody could do this. 
you know, mm-hmm. so when you when you're born with it and that's the only way you've experienced life, you kind of think that's how it works for everybody else too. And so, you know, oftentimes there's that moment where we go, oh, I'm different. This not everybody can see what I see. Not everybody can feel or hear what I feel or hear. So then the question, you know, later, especially into adulthood, becomes, now what do I do with it? Am, am I do I use this and develop it into a profession? Um, or is this just a thing I know I can do and I just, you know, enjoy it or live mm-hmm. with it, you know? So, so it's, for some people, it's a natural ability and they just, that's something they live with. They don't really act on it. They don't try to develop it. They don't, um, poo poo it or cut themselves off from it, you know, or maybe, but maybe they don't mm-hmm. tell a lot of people about it because they've learned that not everybody does that. And then for some people, they might have these gifts and talents, and that becomes, um, you know, a, a sacred profession for them, where they, they become a medium or an animal communicator or a medical intuitive or something like that. So it, it really just kind of depends on how a person relates to those qualities and how their life experiences have shaped them, because there may be some healing to do around it before they can start to relate to those things as an asset instead of a liability. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I could easily see that, that liability aspect. Um, now you mentioned children and, you know, that was one of my, um, one of my biggest, um, the first thing that popped into my head is the idea um, that to me it's, it seems that children um, have a, an uncanny uh, empathy, you know, uh, and, and mm-hmm. recognition of that. And, and, we, and so, and I'm sure part of it is just, you know, the, the whole childhood and, and have yet to develop, you know, a series of, uh, of knowledge and responses and that kind of thing. But but aside from that, it seems that children can more quickly, more easily absorb, you know, emotions and feelings. So, is, do you feel that um, children um, are particularly sensitive, um, you know, and, or is it just more of an individual basis? So just childhood and that, that, that level of uh, experience or inexperience um, contribute to, to being able to, you know, tune in to emotions? Mm-hmm. My belief is that we are all born with this ability, that being an empath is um, kind of our natural setting, if you will, our, our natural way of communicating with the world. You know, through especially Western civilization, a lot of that, those natural abilities or skills get deprogrammed out of us because most of the people in our lives don't value those things, don't understand them, don't believe in them, think they're made up or, you know, even potentially based on your religious upbringing, you know, dangerous or, you know, demonic or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, there are so many factors that shape how these things express ourselves. You know, I believe that in spirit form, we're making a decision about, 
the next incarnation. And so I believe being an empath is something we decide at a soul level before we're getting ready to incarnate. But then there is the families that we're born into and the messages that mm-hmm. we internalize. There's also human free will. <laughs> you know, we might make a decision at the soul level and get here on the planet and go, nope, not doing it. <laughs> that you know? yeah. And so yeah. there's multiple factors that are going to influence yeah. whether these qualities sort of stay preserved, if you will. But I believe they're part of kind of the natural human default to begin with. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Um, you know, the and you know the one thing that I think um, your book would be very useful and helpful is for parents um, who you know whose children um, are having difficulty, you know, um, processing and identifying emotions. You know, and that uh, mm-hmm. that would be a good way to to maybe. Um, Set up, you know, because we, we I see so often, you know, children um, like being bullied, for example, being bullied, and and, and we'll, we'll take that on, or we'll take on, you know, all kinds of, um, you know, insults that kids do to each other, you know, and so mm-hmm. would um, can what is a good uh, maybe exercise or um, a, a good way for a parent to um, help a child um, recognize or, or cope with, uh, you know, taking on feelings that aren't there or, or, you know, or, or allowing others' um, energy to affect them significantly. Right. Yeah, and I, you know, while I'm not an expert with children, mm-hmm. I think the answer really depends on the developmental stage of the child, you know, so a lot of, you know, explanation isn't going to really be helpful for a four-year-old, but you might right. just say, you know, hey, honey, let's go lay, let's go put our bellies on Mother Earth. Why don't we just go lay in the grass? Why don't we go hug a tree? You know, like, like give them an activity because, you know, the, the earth has an electromagnetic frequency and we are, we are meant to be in contact with the earth. It helps regulate our own frequency and helps us discharge disharmonious energies. And so a simple thing can just be have the child interact physically with nature or, or here, you know, here's some rocks and crystals. Which one do you want to hold? Which one's talking to you right now? And trust the child's intuition to pick up that stone and that that stone will help them. So those are just, you know, some thoughts. As as the child gets older, then you can start to explain a little bit more and say, you know, you're really special. You have the ability to do this, but not every, you know, like your friends may not have that Mm -hmm. ability or, you know, not everybody in the world can do this thing that you do, you know, then you can start explaining things as they get older. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, because I think that, you know, if, you know, it seems so important because I, I know that I have talked to so many intuitive people or people who have um, Claire, whatever, Claire sentient, mm-hmm. clairvoyant, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. but, but I, so many of those, um, abilities, 
seem to show up, you know, in early childhood. I don't know why, but like eight always comes up as a number where people recognize that this is something, you know, that is um, something that, you know, that is unique to them from their perspective, and they just don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So now when um, we, we have, um, okay, so we got to the point of being able to kind of, you know, give an idea. So your book, The um, Evolutionary Empath, uh, what, what, how, can be an empath, be evolutionary. What's what's the evolutionary mm-hmm. aspect? Yeah, what is that about? Yes. <laughs> well, I can tell you that as I as I wrote the book, I uh, several times I just kept getting these higher level downloads and kind of bigger picture visions. And the title changed three times. It was not originally this title. And so as I got these bigger picture downloads this is the title that that finally came through and I realized, ah, now I understand what message I'm, I'm here to convey. And, and so what that means is, and I'm going to kind of back up and give a bigger picture perspective here. Humanity is in a cycle of ascension and there is a grand cycle of time that over 30 ancient cultures have documented And we refer to it most commonly as the great year. And that is a 24,000 year cycle of time. Some say it's 26,000. There's a reason for that discrepancy. So whatever model you subscribe to is fine. But for half of that period of time, humanity is ascending in consciousness. The other half were descending in consciousness. If you're familiar with the Greek ages, the Iron Age, Bronze Age, Silver Age, Golden Age, Those are breakdowns of that great year cycle. And so while all those ancient cultures don't necessarily point to precisely the same date, they pretty much all agree that we have turned the corner, that we are are out of our most ignorant times, if you will, and we are back in a cycle of ascension, raising in vibration, raising in consciousness. And so I believe that more and more empaths are showing up on the planet because it's time for us again, you know, that the, the more enlightened, lighter, crystalline body, if you will, of, you know, the, the next level human expresses and contains these more refined sensitivities. Our energetic physiology is slightly different. And so I coined the phrase, the empathic big bang, <laughs> you know, that in, mm. in, in geologic terms, a hundred or 150 years is a blink of an eye. And so empaths really, there haven't been very many of us, even a hundred years ago, which I talk about in the book, kind of the evolution that our level of consciousness as a society and a planet just couldn't sustain um, life for people with those kinds of sensitivities. So those of us who've been incarnating in the last 100, 150 years, we are the empathic big bang. And there's a quote in the movie Moneyball that says, the first guy through the wall always gets bloodied. And so we are the first ones through the wall getting bloodied because, like mm-hmm. I said, we didn't have the parents and teachers and extended families who recognize our gifts or understood um, our sensitivities or knew how to help us. So 
we're the ones that are that are the kind of the first wave and here to help be the way showers for the ones coming behind us. And I like to think that some hundreds or thousands of years from now, empath won't even be a thing because it'll just be synonymous with humans. Mm. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm glad to hear that we're kind of around upswing, you know, with, with regard to that. You know, just looking at the world, you know, the state of the world, um, it's, you know, it's hard, you know, I think it might be hard for some people to to feel that we're on the upswing. I mean, it seems like, you know, we are getting um, less and less compassionate. Or is it maybe the activities that are going on are highlighting, you know, compassion as being important. What, what, what's your feeling with, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know just the state yeah, of the world? I mean, you know, kind of in a, like more of a, like, not just a thousand year, you know, 20,000 year swing, but kind of like in the, you know, the, the current, you know, couple decades, you know, in, in the way it mm-hmm. seems that maybe we're not, we're not kind of going in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a totally fair question. Um, there's, there, I have a couple things I'd like to highlight. Um, The first is an analogy that really helps me uh, have perspective when I have those moments of looking out upon the world and I just want to crawl in a hole. (laughs) And that is, if you, yeah, if you think about the weather, you know, temperature in Mm. particular, moving from winter to spring, In general, the weather is trending warmer, but from day to day, it's not always that way. And, you know, especially here in the Midwest where I live, we can have a 60 degree day, then we're back down to 29, and then maybe we're at 45, then we're at 52. And, you know, so it jumps up and down and up and down. We'll have a little rain, we'll have a little snow, we'll have a little bit of everything. But if you chart it, the temperature is getting warmer over time as we move from winter to spring. So if you take that model and kind of stretch it out and apply it to this ascension process, you know, we might be up for a year and down for a year or up for five years and down for 10 years, if you want to think of it that way. So there are, there are certainly periods of time where it feels like we are moving backwards, you know, if you want to think of it as a cold snap. Another way that I look at it is uh, I have done a lot of personal work with the shadow and helped a lot of people work with their shadow. And what I understand is that when things look chaotic, they're coming up to be healed. And so the fact that there is a lot of stuff that's being unearthed brought to the surface, it's like, you know, the, the, the dissonance in the frequency can no longer sustain keeping those things hidden. It's like the dissonance is forcing this sort of vibratory, you know, earthquake, if you will, that surfaces all of these things that have been in the collective shadow. And so that can certainly make it feel like we are going backwards. But when these things are coming up, it's because they're coming up to be healed, released, transformed, etc. 
And my financial advisor, who was with the company that I had been with for 10 years, said, well, Steph, you're really good with people. Would you like to be a financial advisor? And I, I kind of liken it to, like, the first person of the opposite sex that pays attention to you in grade school, you know, whatever, whatever your preference uh-huh. is. You know, it's like, oh, uh-huh. you like me? Oh, okay, cool. I'll like you back. You know, so that's, that's kind of how right. I made that decision. Like, oh, you, you think I'll be a good financial advisor? Okay, I'll do that and spent over a year preparing for it and studying for my exams and going through interviews and all of that business, thinking that's what I was going to do for a career for the next 10 or 15 years. And I quit in less than six months because I hated it. And that is when my spiritual awakening began in earnest. And, you know, I, I had what I called the pre-quake tremors a couple years earlier, but when mm-hmm. that career fell apart, uh, everything started to fall apart. Everything started crumbling. Everything I knew to be true that I, that I thought <laughs> was falling mm-hmm. apart. My, my marriage was falling apart. Finances were falling apart. You know, pretty much everything mm-hmm. um, that, that could shatter or crumble did. And I call that period of time uh, the spiritual crucible because I was just, getting cooked down, you know, just, just alchemically <laughs> transformed right. into another substance. And, and that was about a five-year period of time that I have described as living about 100 years because I, I moved through so much stuff. I was redefining everything. What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be successful? Who am I? What do I want? So in this spiritual awakening, there were some other parallels, including really recognizing that I was an empath and and starting to accept that and deal with that and bringing my feminine, uh, you know, opening that box and inviting her Mm -hmm. back. So there's multiple major themes of that spiritual awakening for me. And when I got to the other side of it and kind of stumbled out of the crucible, you know, wiping my brow, looking around like, whoo, all right. I'm still here. The world's still here. Okay, now what? You know, kind of just disoriented, stumbling around, figuring, getting my bearings. But I realized that I had some wisdom, that I had some perspective and an ability to explain esoteric concepts and give voice to some of those difficult to understand things that are happening to us when we are going through that shamanic dismemberment or death and rebirth or dark night of the soul, however you want to describe it. And so that is when uh, my, my sacred work uh, that I do in the world was born and that I felt compelled, you know, called to help other people. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I first uh, read the story that the alchemical transformation to me, that was like, ah, you know, that's, such a picture perfect phrase kind of for what happens because it's it's like it just completely changes the element you know it's mm-hmm. a very you know subatomic level and changes everything mm. and, and um yes. you know i just i, I just uh loved not that phrase you know and and I, right now i think that you know there are probably a lot of people going through um, that same type of transformation, but maybe don't see it um, 
as a um, a positive that it's kind of you know when you're in the midst of that transformation, it's not always pretty. <laughs> no, it's it excruciating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I guess once you get through it, you know, then you can see with clarity. Now, um, do you feel that you know that whole um, process that you went through of or shutting down feminine, experiencing the increased masculine, and then kind of going back and, and rediscovering the re um, uh, embracing the feminine. Do, do you feel that that experience was essential for you to be able to do your work? Oh, I, it was vital. And, you know, a big part of, you know, one of the pillars of my work is work with the masculine and feminine, helping people understand what those archetypes are, looking at how their own inner masculine and feminine show up, looking at the influences of society and and the imbalance, having them work on their own inner sacred marriage where their masculine and feminine can walk together in conscious equal partnership. Those are all huge pieces that I've walked myself. I, I, you know, I couldn't, Mm -hmm teach it in a grounded way if I hadn't walked through it my own self. And, and I think it's a, it's a microcosm of the macrocosm because I think collectively we are in the middle of a massive shift of reclaiming the feminine, not because the pendulum is going to swing the other way. So it's not like ah, here comes the divine feminine and and now all things masculine are vilified and kicked to the Mm -hmm. curb. It's Mm -hmm. bringing it back into balance because those sets of qualities, the masculine and feminine, which are essentially synonymous with the right brain and left brain, masculine associated with the left brain, feminine associated with the right brain, they're completely different sets of qualities and they are both equally necessary and valuable so really bringing the divine feminine back for for most people is really about bringing the two back into equal alignment mm-hmm. yeah well I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that because you know a lot of times people will think of a pendulum kind of going from one extreme to the other you know and, and rather than steadfast in the middle and, and, and balanced um now your your book um, is it? Um, I I see uh, um, from your website on bluestartemple.org dot um, that mm-hmm. you have um, uh, the evolutionary path is an activation manual. Yeah. What what's activated? <laughs> what is activated? It is. Um, yeah. You know there there is an energetic template. There there you know in. The energetic field of the planet is our multiple fields of intelligence called morphic fields. So there's a, a morphic okay. field for pretty much every living thing, every every concept, if you will, every archetype. And so, um, you know, the, the evolutionary empath is... Um, a living field of intelligence as well. And so in this activation manual, it is, it is an activation of your, of remembering that you made the choice at a soul level to come into the planet 
in your body right now at this point in human evolution to help humanity ascend to the next level of consciousness. Okay. Now, you know, and, and it sounds like, you know, we, and I, I do believe that we, we need this inner planet. We need this, um, you know, to um, expand our consciousness and kind of, you know, work on that, that ascension. How do um, how do we um, help others recognize that this is important for our literally for our future? That's a tricky one because uh, you know I'm not a fan of coercion or browbeating or you know like no, no. Yeah, you no, got to do I mean, this I mean, or, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. more about holding that frequency and okay. and you know and and it's not like coming from a place of elitism or righteousness where I'm right and you're wrong or I'm better and you're not, but it's it's holding space for other people to have their own experience of a thing, whatever that is, and you know, holding space for, for the whole planet to ascend. And, you know, it's easy to get frustrated, to drop into a place of anger, to drop into a place of defeat or victim energy. And so part of, part of our, you know, part of the answer to the question is really how do we manage our own response to things? Mm -hmm. How do we keep our vibration high? How do we stay in a heart centered place? How do we, keep applying the highest frequency of love to whatever is happening. And I'm not saying that we're blindly turning an eye to things. It's, you know, I'm giving a very general response <laughs> to the question. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's people, well, no. I can't yeah. make it important for somebody <laughs> else. It has to become important for them on their own. I, and I and I agree with you a thousand percent. You know about you know we really don't want to um, impress this on anyone. I mean you know we want to impress this on anyone. And you know it's kind of from what you're saying is is basically kind of lead by example, being you know yes. an example of it and allowing others to see and, and feel you know experience. Mm-hmm. What it means to to hold that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, and what you said early on in the show that you know there are people in all fields of of, of life experience that have you know empathic. Um, Abilities and they may not recognize it. You know, the one thing I, I've, I've often, you know, recognized is you know the idea of a, it's like a spiritual path. You know that there are some people who consciously, you know, follow um, activity or do activities and you know follow what they feel is is a path. You know, a spiritual path and and I'll, you know and and are consciously aware and active in that. And then there are other people I think that are just living it and, you know, may, may not be, 
and it may not be a conscious level of what you know what they're doing, but they are they're um, they're just experiencing and, and following their gut as to what uh, uh, what is a like a, a sincere and authentic approach to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and and we all have different um, paths. Of getting there, you know, I mean, each each one of our paths is different and it's going to take us through mm-hmm. different experiences and, and different expressions. Yeah, yeah very much. Now, um, again, I just want to let people know that your website is bluestartemple.org. Um, and on there you have um, places for people to be able to work with you. So in, in for, for people listening, um who, what, what kinds of work do you do with individuals? Like if someone's listening, how would I know if coming to Stephanie Redfeather would really be of service for me? Mm-hmm. Well, if you are an empath, you know, I can probably, if there's any part of being an empath that is troubling you or you have questions on or you want to beef up your toolbox, I can help you with with any number of things uh, from the esoteric to the very practical Um, and just in general, you know, sensitive souls who are on their path of spiritual awakening. You know, it is it is difficult to navigate. Um, One of the gifts I have is helping make very esoteric, hard to understand concepts, easy to understand. Um, I do a lot of a lot of different modalities and techniques and working with people. So I work very intuitively if we're doing one-on-one work, but I also teach workshops and I have video home study courses and workbooks and meditations and other products available as well. So there's multiple ways to interact with me and my work. Well, great. Yeah. And I noticed that um, on your website, you know, in addition to the, the working with you, the programs and workshops and products, and you have just a whole bunch of information there that, that people can can tap into. So, um, well, I really want to thank you, Stephanie, for, for your mm-hmm. time. It's really been great. And, and you know, I, I hope those people out there who are empathic have learned something that would help them and, um, and again, now your your book is is kind of a a workbook in a way for people to be able to or an interactive manual for them to use, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the if you go to my website and choose to subscribe to my mailing list, you you will get the free activation manual. So that is a, a bit of a workbook. Um, the book itself, the Evolutionary Empath, has a lot of information, but there's also activities and exercises in there, as well as eight guided meditations that accompany the book. Wow, great. I love guided meditations. <laughs> so, they're very effective <laughs> for me. So, well, I really want to thank you for your time, Reverend Stephanie, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate thank you sharing you. your information. Absolutely, Robert. Thank you so much for the time. You're welcome. And now, if anybody wants to keep get in touch with you, they can obviously do it through the contact. Is there any? Are you on social media at all? I am. I am on Facebook at Rev, as in Reverend Rev Stephanie Redfeather. I'm also on LinkedIn, and all of that information you can get through my website. Great. Well, I look forward to following your path 
and um, keep you in touch. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my very special guest has been Reverend Stephanie Redfeather, and we've been talking about her new book, The Evolutionary Empath, A Practical Guide for Heart-Centered Consciousness. And again, you can find out more by visiting Stephanie's website, which is www.bluestartemple.org. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.